0: Welcome to the Triple Confirmed Podcast, where we discuss Bitcoin price talk, trading ideas, and much, much more. I am your host, The Baked Potato, a five-year crypto analyst and crypto YouTuber. Today's date is October 17th. This is episode 115. And again, a very happy Monday to all of you guys. We've had some good developments in the market space today as our weekly open and close have actually turned out to be pretty good. We've maintained our green dot on the Bitcoin Weekly. We're starting to see signs of turning around, continuing here over on ETH and BTC within the money flow, the wolf pack, potentially a buy signal coming in the next week or two. There's some really good stuff to look forward to. We have some very nice bullish divergences. So let's cover all that, starting with the macro today, as always on our Mondays. Yeah, I mean, the highlight here is that uh, as long as we see continuation and some follow through with this and maybe some momentum built into the back of it, we're actually looking quite nice up on our macro charts. We're not completely turned around yet. Our money flow is still very deep into the red, but this is just another potential opportunity to get a little bit of continuation to the upside maybe over the next couple weeks. Pushing into uh, the mid-month of October is usually when things start to kind of pick up. we've had a shitty September, usually things tend to pick up midway through October. So we're right in that point of where we should start to see things kind of turning around if we're going to continue. A really nice drop in the Dixie today, dropping about a point. And the US 10 actually sitting completely stationary at this level. But we are starting to see those signs again. A red dot popping up here, potentially closing in an hour. On our sixteen hour daily already confirmed red dot as of Friday's close. and our shorter time frames, you know we're just dicking around. We can see that money flow overall has been gradually falling down. We continue to get dicked around at this price, which makes complete sense. Of course, you're going to continue to consolidate and play around local and key level uh, resistances, which is where we are at that four percent level. The Dixie coming down a percent and the U.S. 10 not moving at all today is a little bit weird. Usually these things kind of correlate with each other. You tend to see the Dixie and the U.S. 10 doing the same thing at the same time. Um, And we didn't have that type of situation. But the S&P reacted very well today, pushing up about 100 points, uh, now sitting at 36.77 rather than our 35.77 that we left off on Friday. So kind of where we were expecting to go and what we were hoping to see. Playing out. Bitcoin hopefully can get a close above 19450 or 19500, however, you're looking at the chart today. And that would kind of push us back into the momentum of the bull's court. So that's a very good thing, potentially, if we can get that close in four hours from now. Yeah, like uh, we're just continuing to see more and more bottoming signs. We've got divergence, we've got convergence, we've got a bit of an inverted head and shoulders forming out on our midterms, four hour, upwards of eight hour. Uh, which could be playing into a much more macro inverted head and shoulder situation. Obviously, because we're still in a bear trend, we still have lower lows and lower highs. You know, these bullish patterns and stuff don't tend to play out as well until we start to see that changing, that rhetoric, flipping, the higher lows and higher highs in our midterm and then maybe into our midterm macro and so on and so forth. Yeah, the fact that we didn't completely crash and burn today, potentially a very good sign for... The rest of the week here to get continuation, but we're still stuck in a range. Clearly, we haven't been able to break above 20,500 20, in over about a month. Been about a month. Um, funny enough, going back to about the fifteenth when we broke back down below it. So, going to continue to range until we see closes above twenty thousand five hundred dollars. Ethereum's levels sitting at about right under fourteen thousand, so like thirteen ninety. And 1330 coming in as the 618 on our four hour, also acting as resistance right now. I would say if we can get a close on a four hour time frame above 1330, the next level to hit, probably push towards, would be that 1350 and then potentially 1380 to 14. So maybe a little bit of short term rejection over the evening tonight, possibly, um, but the money flow in our midterms are actually quite strong Four-hour money flow and wolf pack just coming into the green over the last couple uh, candles, last day or so. Um, Usually Sunday volume, you know, is not usually backed up into Monday, but today was one of those special occasions where everything kind of fell into place and kind of kept working out. Again, we're just not seeing a ton of momentum and volume backed in behind this thing. But the bulls are clearly holding us up at the level of support around 1250 ETH, around 1900 or sorry nineteen thousand on bitcoin yeah things are actually not looking bad at all you know of course with this type of low volatility low momentum you're always opening yourself up to continuing to flip back and forth but i really feel like we're kind of at the end of this stretch of consolidation we've again we've been consolidating at this range for about a month straight usually these things don't last too too much longer so what it's really going to come down to again getting a close today above 19500 would hopefully accelerate us back towards the top of the range closer to 20000 if we can punch through 20 we're going to revisit hopefully back up towards 22 and then kind of go from there because we're we're basically stuck in a short term range stuck in a mid term range stuck in a macro range right the macro range 195 all the way up to 25 the mid term range 195 or 19 all the way up to 22 and a half. And the short term range, the top would be 20,500. So, give yourself a good idea of where these levels are, what needs to happen in order to get continuation pushing to through to the next level. But as you can see for all three ranges, the bottom has been consistent the entire time, right? 19,000, 19,500. Obviously, breaking below a handful of times, pushing us into 182, 182 on the one rare expansion, because obviously we crashed so hard and so fast. So that's going to be the major pivot level here. If we were to see closes below 19,000, we can always use 18.200 as we just did last week to hopefully continue to hold us up. I would say 18.200 acting as key level, major level support in this region. Um, So as long as we don't see closing candles below 18.200, we're not technically breaking the bottom of the range. Yeah, with that being said, I wanna take another quick peek over here at the S&P, just see if we can see anything towards continuation. Obviously our four hour actually is looking very good here. Triple confirmation came in on Thursday the 13th and never TC'd back down, even though we had obviously a complete rejection off of that first move, it faked us out. It came all the way back to the bottom of the market structure at around 35.80 and has since been pushing up and above and you know pushing in an upwards slanting direction so money flow still being quite stagnant here i would like to see this push itself back towards the zero line back into the green before we start to see anything more than just continued consolidation again i'm not saying that you know this is bound to happen in the next week or two but looking at history that's what usually tends to happen. As far as trades go and everything that I'm in, um I'm still hedging on both positions, shorting from 24, 25k and longing from around 19, 19200 until I see, you know, daily and 4 day TC back up, I'm going to continue to hold my shorts. That may push me out by the time we're already at 22k, but I've taken enough profit at these lows that I'll be, you know, very happy with those that level even you know you could exit your short right now but there's not there's no certainty right there's no confirmation yet in the midterm macro that we're turning around completely we have all the short you know the signs with divergences across the board on the four day showing us that this is very more than likely a bottom here and we're still basically looking for the same Uh, Range levels that we've been looking for for the last couple of months. Once we can get through 25 It should be a very short trip towards 28 to 30 Uh, 28 to 30 is a whole different ballpark game though because it's acting as key level major resistance at around that level It's gonna be very hard to break through I would imagine if we're gonna get through 25 we come up into this region, we come back down towards 25 if we can confirm that higher low and retest what was the most important local resistance on this midterm macro being 25 and find support there. Uh, we should start to be able to see the market structure and the fibs changing around in a more bullish posture. Ethereum, if we're looking at it from the same data points and same time frames, that level is going to be right around 17 to 1800 right at our four day 618 all of this jazz once we're through that level if we're going to revisit 30 i would expect us closer into the regions of tw- 2000 to 2250 on a good amount of volume and such and again coming back into what was the local high around 17 to 1800 for that retest hopefully finding support changing market structure into a bullish posture again we're just talking hypotheticals right now that's how and what should happen if we're going to break through, pop back down, continue, or try to continue if we can hold those levels? Um, looking at ETH here, same situation, a, a, a massive amount of bullish divergence stacked up here. The four day actually looking very good because money flow is almost back into the green here onto Ethereum, potentially a converging wave for macro divergences that we have stacked up going back as far as July. 20th, 2021 of last year. January again, 2022, February, all this jazz to this low that we had set in June. And yeah, hopefully we can maintain our green dot. It confirms potentially in two days. So as long as nothing changes over the next two days, you can almost guarantee that this green dot is going to hit Wolfpack, not into the green yet. The last time we tapped it, right, we were close. We got pushed back. We rejected. We fell again which ended up just giving us more divergence in our shorter midterms here, like our daily. You can see a a multitude of divergences stacked up here. And double invalidation uh, as well, potentially going to triple invalidate into a bullish TC upwards of our daily. So I still think that this is a great region to be adding into a position, starting it off, getting it ready for when everything confirms, and then looking for smaller time frames to potentially pop down to get a little bit better of a position you know 1320 right now i could see us coming back into 1280 uh, maybe even 1250 just as some sort of wick within our four hour TCing back down as long as our daily triple confirms back up and we don't tc it down before the four hour can work itself out and tc back up agreeing with that daily yeah, I'm I'm really seeing some strength here. You, you know, it's just, we've been seeing the strength the entire time. It's just it continued to consolidate. I would imagine washing out a lot of sporadic and short-term traders. Yeah. All right. I've been talking for a couple of minutes. We do have Pio joining us on the show today. Pio, how are you off, man? How are you making out? What's up? What's up? It's yeah. Uh, I,
1: as you said, it was uh, on Friday, I think, um got through the weekend and opened strongly and listening to some TradFi commentary it's it's you know they're all kind of catching up at the pace of things here and uh triple confirmation but yeah i think they're looking at relative strengths and at levels and starting to you know put things together and um, which is good because you know we front ran the hypothesis um, um i think just going through a, a number of items that we discussed last week the uk situation kind of resolving itself now i think um i don't think liz trust will be pm by prime minister questions on wednesday um i think that will resolve itself the market kind of held you know it didn't pump the pound um but i think i think there will be quite a strong recovery um once the political situation resolves itself in that market which is it's just good it's just like not a bond that's going to go off right Um, right even the, the, the UK mortgage rate has come down a bit because the markets have kind of had time to take stock of the mini budget being scrapped. So look, that's good, I think. Yeah, I think we can kind of start and put that a little bit more out of mind. I don't think anyone's trading in GBP pair, um, but it's good to know um, that it's looking, you know, it's trending in a better better way. Um, also, um, you know, oil is really interesting right now. I talk a lot about natural gas, obviously, and I'll get on to that in a moment. But, you know, we had this, the market, the market did react to the news about OPEC cutting production. But, mm-hmm. do you know, as I kind of posted there in the sessions chat, the forward-looking future is like right now, WTI crude is trading under 80 bucks. And I think it's because of the China situation. I think things are really actually starting to slow down there uh that's drastically reducing demand for energy, and yeah, it's great to see month ahead data showing, yeah, I don't think oil's gonna you know break a hundred bucks in here, it could even you know range under eighty, which is you know, I know only c p i only happened last week, but we're, we're only three and a half weeks out from the next one um and yeah, oil is a big big component in that, um as is gas so, didn't Did't in the data for the US, but you know, given Europe is such an intense situation that we are right now, it, it was back trading under 100 BCCMs essentially today, which was you know it dumped hard on Friday. Uh, European natural gas, I think mm-hmm. seven, seven and a half percent, or had more than that, and uh, that continued today. Uh, there's even reports of you know LNG tankers kind of can't get into port because. You know, reserves are full. Um, we've had a really warm autumn to begin with, not mm-hmm. necessarily here in miserable, cold Ireland, which gets all the stormy <laughs> Atlantic <laughs> shite thrown at it. But mainland Europe is 30 degrees in France and Spain parts of it uh, at the moment. Um, so they're all really good components. And, you know, I had a little bit of a read through other people's analysis of the CPI report that came in last week and, you know, the data kind of showed that what was continuing upward trajectory as a component of inflation was shelter uh, and to a minor degree food mm-hmm. uh, but the energy had pulled back a bit. um so yeah i think i think the gates are open for the market to have a little, little bounce here i mm-hmm. think you know the, the signals are green right now um that the next cpi could show inflation has already topped, which those energy sh- charts, unless they're going to double top, um, you know, look like we had a bit. Of, we they look like clear blow off tops, um, especially coming right. into four hours on them, especially natural gas. Um, very short term things, actual peaks on them. So I don't know not that experience, but they, they kind of fit that classification.
0: Um uh, I want sorry I just wanted to jump in here quick and I pick your brain about something because I heard today that Biden was in talks with the Saudis about essentially just holding off on their cutting of, of production until basically for a month which would push it you know past midterms. Do you think that that potentially is having an impact on why oil prices are still staying low? You know because they were obviously threatening you know, basically stopped sending them arms.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a pretty big clash um, last week on this. And it, it did, maybe it was just the way I saw it, but the market did kind of take that as bad news. Um, I can't say for sure, because I've read a number of interpretations that make sense. The one that really kind of started pushing yesterday and today was that uh, China are actually postponing the next release of like scheduled economic data. Which is pretty big news that they're doing that. I think there's some big deal, their Congress is coming up where Xi gets appointed for another term. You know, if that data isn't good, That's it all right, kind of if. lines up and that would show less demand. So the Saudis got rugged, you know, they weren't watching the Chinese data. That's one interpretation. Another interpretation is exactly as you said, which would be really bad for the world that we're kinda of going on that route. But, you know, if I was a US citizen, I'd be saying, you go for it, Joe. Um, and the third one was, um, was that like, there's, there's pretty, there's a pretty strong theory out there that the Saudi reserves are complete BS. And even if they built more facilities, they've just been lying about the reserves for 20, 30 years.
0: And that cutting
1: production is an excuse
0: because they can't keep production up. Right. Like their reserves are so full already maximized out. They don't need that production
1: it's even if they have it, if their wells haven't been like already peak tapped, you know? Um, oh, and that's a, That's a slow burn. It's something very interesting to read into because it's something that I keep been reading about. And I'm like, yeah, there's, there's a lot to this, um, that they're basically saying, yeah, we're cutting production when they, they can't produce anymore, you know? And that could be, it's... that could be because of that theory or could be because they didn't plan to invest ahead of time. So, Hey, look, they've, they've just managed their infrastructure poorly. Um, they haven't built new wells as other ones probably retire mm-hmm. and they just kind of got short, you know, it's, there's so many ways to read into it, but then I found that chart that showed I, I put into sessions chat that showed the WTI futures data and taking that the face value, the market's just saying, Hey, we're sectionary headwinds, less demand for oil, you know, um, reducing production probably doesn't make that much of a difference because here's how we see the next three months.
0: Interesting, interesting take on all that.
1: Yeah, I, you know, your head would be done in. um I had a neighbor when I lived in Sydney who was, um I'd say he was in his early 50s, uh, a British dude, London dude, a Cockney dude, but just dri- dripping in cash because he was a commodities trader in Singapore in the 80s and 90s. Uh. And it just sounds like there should be movies made of that industry, just wheels in wheels and you know, so many different things that play at the same time.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you look at the movies that have been produced in that, in, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, The Big Short, they were yeah, great movies, right? Like, they made very entertaining television. Yeah. And now, uh, something else I wanted to ask you about as well, is if you'd heard anything about continued quantitative easing coming out of the UK banks, or if you've heard any any of their new plans going forward.
1: So let me see if I can post something to illustrate this. Yeah, so it's it's the last chart that I post. Quite a colourful comparison chart that I posted, Um, and it's just comparing simply you know commodities, investment grade bonds, high yield bonds, all the categories that pension funds allocate to. And you'll notice that the second worst loser was real estate investment trusts. So I've heard this as well in the I must watch catch up Manorino. I've heard about this starting to happen now in the US as well. Um, pensions of all types allocate to real estate investment trusts, uh, who have two components: commercial property and residential property. And these, in a residential sense, would be your buy-to-let institutional investors. You know, um, quite a negative view of them here in Ireland. They're, you know, buy up lots of land, build of big fancy apartments, and charge three and a half thousand euros for a two bed that would have been you know normal like 1500 um so that market's getting really wrecked because the other component commercial property is is absolutely getting punched in the front right in the back of the head right now the front <sighs> of the head by hybrid working the whole a bit of a reset that happened through covid um mm-hmm. people just you know it it just started happening the two days in the office or remote working and that's it was further compounded by real estate investment trust greed who really pushed up rents so the labor market being as tight as it is you know is becoming ever more hybrid because it's too expensive to rent in new york san francisco dublin you know berlin wherever you go Um, absolutely so it's a feedback loop that's really bad for that component of It's a big allocation on behalf of pension funds, you know, along with, along with bonds. So half their portfolio right now is getting wrecked because they're too greedy on the other half and the pension funds have gone big into real estate. Now, all real estate markets have to correct. It's currently happening probably six months or 12 months ahead of, um, Western Hemisphere markets when you look at Australia. And At a certain point, someone's got to take a write down. You know, things got absolutely crazy in real estate, unrealistically crazy. People mock the FOMO-ness of people in crypto, but, you know, they had a good decade in real estate, and then they made twice that in two years, you know, from 2020, because of all the quantitative easing, just giving them
0: more kind of collateral to leverage, uh, you know, at at 0% rates. Right, right. And the over leveraging of it, because obviously with one mortgage, you can remortgage and and buy a new home and then rent, you know, and do the same thing. And like, but you know, money built on the backs of, of, of previous investments and just like continuing it. You know, I know people who have upwards of 10 to 12 different houses that they're, they're all mortgaged on backs, like the back of one another, essentially, remortgaged you know refinanced reloaned like negatively geared as they call it in australia and that's not an
1: outlier anecdote that you know people i had people working for me on like 50 grand a year having like eight apartments in sydney (laughs) because (laughs) the taxation down there re-incentivizes i think you can borrow 100 percent against your first which is 90 percent so 10% down, 90%, and then roll the next one at 100% of equity off that, and on you go. And that's a beautiful analogy for what the institutional side have been just as degenerate, just as degenerate. So you're seeing certain places now where you know it's, it's kind of falling through a hole. It's about to do that in Australia, I think. I think interest rates have gone up to the level that on the retail side, retail property investors who've done that, you know, folding of of leveraged capital, they're probably going to bite the dust at three percent rates. You know, and start start selling, start liquidating, um, before they may do it at four percent rates.
0: Right, because they're either going to try and sell them before they can't, or they're going to get hit with higher and higher interest, continuing to increase on them. Right, and they're going to try and push up the rent
1: to match that. And at a certain point like here in little old ireland so probably this week the government's going to bring in rent freeze and an eviction ban because to be viable these guys have pushed up the price because ireland's very much an institutional rental kind of property deal Um, very hard to buy very easy to rent but you get gouged and they push it up and push it up and push it up so Mm -hmm. the government had to step in here because so many people are basically just can't meet the rental commitment because the institutional market has pushed up so much as well as the retail uh, rental market. And it's it's telling all the investment funds, the game's over, you know? So governments will have a choice. Some of them will actually try and subsidize. Some of them will just, you know, put in rental caps and stuff like that. Um, But I think that's what's happening with central banks, and quantitative easing, to bring it back to your original question. You're going to see from a U.S. perspective whether the Fed will continue to buy mortgage-backed securities or continue to sell them, which they have been doing. I think that's a big flag for, are they going to try and keep this property Ponzi up or leave it having very natural correction? Even just back to 2020 prices would be extremely healthy for a market that in many places like um, in Brisbane, Australia or Queensland, property prices went up forty-eight percent in two years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rents equivalent of
0: that. Yeah, we're in the absolute same boat up here in Canada too. Yes. We've seen about a forty-eight percent increase over the last two, three years. So
1: government's either gonna you know, government's either gonna pay these guys, do you know the difference to continue to be viable because you, you can't enter a market now and build more property unless you're, you're going to be renting out at current market rates, which have reached saturation, even for tech workers, you know, people on good money, 70, 80 grand base salary here in Ireland in mm-hmm. Dublin are like talking about emigrating. Um, so the governments might start subsidizing. I think that's absolutely the wrong thing to do. It could happen to an extent, but yeah or they've got to leave and correct themselves and i think when it comes to pension funds that's where if they get shaky you'll see quantitative easing programs it might be called quantitative easing it will be called buying mortgage-backed securities or you know stuff like that but yeah if they want to save real estate not allow it correct you have to print a lot of money because it's the largest
0: asset class on planet earth no brilliant points i'm appreciate all the information you brought to the table today as always
1: hopefully hopefully yeah i think this is the big one guys i think yeah I'm, I, I think cpi inflation keeping a, a sharp eye on that you know it, it's harmonized what was potato what you see in the charts across a range of charts all correlating all it doesn't um but i think if we expect lower lows in the market it, it could be real estate that does it if not it'll be what does it the next time <laughs> if they blow a bigger bubble.
0: Right. Cause Here's- we're at, we're at that point. Like it's either continuation of bubble uh, expanding or, you know, they're, they're looking at popping it now before it continues to get, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like if it, if it just continues for the next year or two, the next time it blows, it, it it's going to be bigger, but in the same sense, because you've expanded that much farther, you know, let's say the S&P is now trading at above 5,000 or something such as so, right? Like, oh, well, this crazy 50% decimation, it really only brings us back to previous all-time highs or previous high levels, essentially where we are right now. You know, it's going as a percentage figure, it seems terrible. But in reality, it's like, well, actually, we're just trading back where we were a year or two ago.
1: It's such a healthy way to look at it, I believe. I really do believe. Um, You know, I'm just talking to people outside of Discord, not in real life, because this is real life, guys. Um, (laughs) You know, when I showed them a chart, I'm like, look at this. Like, property's gone up, like, 2-3% every year. You know, it's it's probably all right for a market. It should be. That's good. A lot of people put their wealth in it, their pensions Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And then it just yeeted up 40%, you know, in two years. And I was like... Look for ten years and bring that line back down to maybe up ten percent or even fifteen percent over the last two years and continue on, and you that looks sustainable. But I was like, if people don't think that there's pain below, I think there are people who are holding to Bitcoin at fifty-two k. You know,
0: right, right. It's the same situation. Absolutely the the fear of missing out because the housing market has has you know doubled in the last couple of years. As long as things don't burst. I don't see why that would stop. Like, obviously, we've had a slowdown because of interest rates and because of how the market condition has been over the last eight to nine months. But at the same time, if we can slowly ease ourselves back into a bullish posture with the whole thing, you know, I can imagine that that FOMO is still there because people are obviously going to be like, well, the housing market didn't crash. And, you know, people made 50 percent on their investment or 30 to 40 percent on their investment over this very short amount of time why would I not take advantage of the same thing? And we'll just continue to see almost like quantitative easing in the mindsets of people who are buying property and, and that just that trend continuing if it doesn't if it doesn't have that cliff falling off the edge type of scenario.
1: Yeah, it's, and what pays for that is society. And ultimately the economy, if you view it as rentierism, which I would view property wealth as unproductive capital for in a purely capitalistic world, you know. And a lot of countries look at it that way. Like that's the way Jap- Japan look at it, you know. Mm-hmm. They just confiscate vacant houses and they're like lots, you know, for zero dollars. Because they're like, yeah, we don't want people like putting their wealth in property. We want them investing in real things that you know generate economic growth. Right. But anyway, it's um it's one to keep an eye on people. I think like I'd welcome other people's views and different regions and markets because you know i I think i just boiled it down to be the fact that rent is too damn high and the taxpayer is going to pay the difference if he wants to keep on going up and that's going to be a different debt problem and societal problem but if you hear pension funds and noise and you know this is going to happen that's going to happen they all look dodgy my analysis is because they bought these real estate investment trusts and they're bad shit
0: absolutely just quick before we end things off today, guys, as always, make sure you check out tripleconfirmation.com. Very important meeting coming up exactly one week from now. We will be having our version 2 alpha release and meeting in the Triple Confirmation Discord. All the details and links and such will be in the descriptions below. So make sure you be there for that. If you're uh, not a part of our Discords, if you're listening from you know somewhere new or this is the first time, Head on over to tripleconfirmation.com and uh, make sure you check out wiki.tripleconfirmation.com. Jonas has been working very diligently, very hard to make that very clear-cut and beautiful. It's a, it's a great source of information for everything that the project is working towards and achieving so far. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your grandma. Triple Confirmation bot will be released very, very soon. And with all that said, we appreciate you guys taking the time to listen on this beautiful Monday morning afternoon and we'll be back seeing you guys on Wednesday take care bye bye